what you see in me exists in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see it. And it's just so true. Once we get to the frequency of our dreams, the things that we want to achieve, all of a sudden we start to see those opportunities that we never knew existed before. Before I was homeless in that whole season, I was at a certain frequency. And in my belief system, my world, I drew in shady characters like myself, dark situations all of the time. And it wasn't until I started to dial up that frequency that I was then able to climb into those spaces. You can't climb into them if you don't know where they are. I'm on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. I'm ready for my close-up. Hi, and welcome back. I'm so excited for you to meet my friend today, someone I know in real life. We've got Glenn Lundy on the show, husband and a father to eight. You did not hear me wrong. Hey, kids. He's the host of the wildly popular Breakfast with Champions Club on Clubhouse. His 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Glenn went from leading a dealership from 120 cars a month to becoming the second largest used car franchise in the country. He has the ability to help identify the areas for growth in your store, teach creative ways to invoke your dealership spirit. He's a sales expert. With a background in sales and finance, which is so unique, he uses his skill sets to create growth as well as tapping into the mental side of human development. Glenn, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. It truly <laughs> is an honor and a pleasure to share this space and time with you. You're amazing. Uh, you're the best. Thank you so much. So we got to know each other during the global pandemic on Clubhouse and Glenn was kind enough to have me on his show. And then we were so lucky to, we forget because we live in this virtual world. One day you happen to be in Miami. You text me, wait, you live in Miami, don't you? And we got to connect, have dinner and catch up. And it was, it was so cool to hang out with you in real life. It was super, super fun. I really, really enjoyed that watching you uh, run, doing your thing, running your businesses and mom and all at the same time, right? Well, listen, you know a lot about being a parent, a lot more than me when you've got eight little ones that uh, you have been raising. It's pretty incredible. Well, thank you. Yeah, we are blessed to have plenty. I can't take any credit. My wife is the, uh, she does it all. She allows me to travel around and have dinner with amazing superhumans with you, like you while she's home and homeschools all the kids and takes care of all the, you know, all that stuff. So she gets all the credit. But yeah, it's an incredible gift. I always have someone to play with when I get home from my trips. <laughs> yeah, she, you are right, my friend. She is flipping amazing. But let's take it back before this amazing life, because when you and I got the chance to sit down, you really got into your background. And I happen to think of myself as, you know, this comeback kid and people always look at me for this comeback story, you know, at 43, coming back from getting fired. But Glenn, your story is so much more of a comeback than that, overcoming so much. And if you can just get into a little bit of what that adversity was that you faced and some of the levers that you pulled to lift yourself out of it. Yeah, well, you know, I think we all have amazing stories, right, of overcoming adversity. And, and what you overcame is something that I might not have been able to, right? And what I overcame is something that maybe you weren't able to. Like we, you know what I mean? But it's, it, it takes the same amount of strength to deal with the storms that come in our lives. And so I personally grew up in a just a unique situation. I grew up 
uh, you know, lower middle class. We never went without, but there was never any extra. And my dad is black. My mom is white. And they got together right basically on the backside of, um, you know, when that stuff wasn't cool. It wasn't cool for black folks, white folks to be together. And they fought through that adversity to bring me into the world, which I'm so grateful for. But ultimately, they ended up getting divorced when I was 11 years old. And what was interesting, Heather, is my dad, when he got remarried, he married a black woman. And my mom, who is white, she got remarried. She married a white dude. And then my mom and her new husband moved into Greenlaw Garden Apartments at 2600 East 7th Avenue, Flagstaff, Arizona, apartment number 28. And then my dad and his wife got married. They moved into Greenlaw Garden Apartments at 2600 East 7th Avenue in Flagstaff, Arizona, apartment number 30, two doors down from my mom and her new husband. And what was really crazy is my dad's new wife, she had four kids already, right? They were all black kids, four black kids. Then they, my dad and her had two more together. So there was eight of us over in dad's house. And then there was just me and my sister over in mom's house. And every stereotype that you could think of, Heather, existed in these two houses. Like dad's house was the black house, right? Everybody played sports. There was sports on TV all the time. We listened to rap music, hip hop music, gospel. We had chitlins and collard greens and fried chicken and Kool-Aid. Like every, every stereotype you could think of existed in my dad's house. And then over in my mom's house, we had all the stereotypes you would associate with a white household. Like mom was a country singer. My stepdad loved rock and roll. They uh, hung out at the little bowling alley, the little white trash bowling alley that everybody hung out at. It was crazy, right? My mom would be whistling show tunes and stuff. It was a real quiet house, right? And so I grew up in these two very different culturally, very different environments. And looking back, greatest experience of my life because now I can see things from different perspectives, which I'm so thankful for because I didn't grow up in just one culture. But at the time, it was really tough for me. You know, being a teenager, going through all of that stuff, trying to figure out who you are, trying to figure out your identity, all of those things, that's already challenging enough as a teenager. But being stuck in kind of these two different cultures, I didn't know like my skin was too dark to be considered white, but it was too light to be considered black. So I didn't really know where I fit. And ultimately, I became a chameleon. And so whatever group I was with, I'd become that because I didn't have my own identity, right? And so if I was hanging out with the cowboys, I was a cowboy. If I was hanging out with the gangsters, I was a gangster. If I was hanging out with the Mexicans, I was I was a Mexican, right? This is like, dangerous. This is, sounds so dangerous to me. Yeah, and it, and it really was because I just I didn't have any identity myself. And so I was trying to find a fit. And all of my relationships were very surface because I wasn't authentic or real. Like I was everybody's friend, but I didn't have any real deep like relationships, you know, everything was just kind of surface. And that's how I made my way into adulthood. And along the way, I would hang out with the wrong crowds and make a lot of poor decisions. And those types of things only last, you know, so long. And so it wasn't, it was just a matter of time, you know, before I was like in and out of jail, the drugs, the drinking, you know, all of those things and just burning every bridge that I could possibly burn, which led me to at one point, um, I ended up moving out of the state. I had burned so many bridges. I moved out of Arizona. 
I landed in Southern California. I spent a little bit of time in Southern California before one day I woke up and had nowhere to go, had no money, had no credit. And ultimately I was homeless in the streets there. And that season, Heather, was it was so difficult because what happens with homelessness is first you're first you're homeless, right? And then you start to feel hopeless because every day is the same. Nothing ever changes, right? Like my day was literally, I, I'd ride the buses overnight in San Diego. They have 24-hour transit. So I'd ride the bus overnight. Then they'd kick me off at six in the morning. And then I would go looking around for nickels, pennies, quarters, change, whatever I could find along the beaches. And then I would take that and I'd go get a sausage McMuffin with egg and an orange juice. And then I'd spend the rest of the day looking for nickels, dimes, and quarters so that I could get back on the bus at six the next morning. And I would just do it over and over and over again. And so homelessness became hopelessness. Hopelessness became a real deep depression. Deep depression became suicidal thoughts. Suicidal thoughts ultimately led to me attempting to take my own life. I tried to drown myself in the Pacific Ocean just outside of La Jolla, California. Uh, luckily, I was unsuccessful at that, clearly, or I wouldn't be here with you today. And it was in that moment when I was laying on the beach after just attempting to take my own life. I was laying on the beach and I heard, audibly, I heard these words. I heard, you take yourself wherever you go which that's a phrase that an old mentor of mine used to tell me all the time. When I was 20 years old, he used to say, you take yourself wherever you go. And I never really knew what that meant. Like, what does that mean? And so I started to really think about it. And I realized, Heather, that I had been in different cities around different people, like all these different environments were always changing. The people around me, the locations around me, the activities around me, all of that was changing. But the result was always the same. It would always end up not good, right? Me not moving forward. And so I looked in that moment and I realized I'm the only constant. I'm the only thing that's consistently in all of these environments is it's me, right? And so that just opened up this door. Like I was like, oh, wow, wait a minute. I'm the catalyst of everything bad in my life. Everything that's ever gone wrong, I'm the catalyst for that. And being an inquisitive person, as soon as I had that thought, I immediately thought, well, wait a minute. If I'm the catalyst for everything bad in my life, does that mean I can be the catalyst for everything good? And so I started on this journey of self-discovery. I had to figure out what is this what is this ability that we have to create our lives? Like what is that? Where does that come from, right? And anytime you want to figure out where something comes from, you have to kind of go to the source. So I started doing research on humans. I went to uh, Orange County Church of Scientology. I started studying uh, a lot about myself there. After about six months at the Orange County Church of Scientology, I learned so many things, but I realized that that wasn't the path for me. Uh, and so I left and I started studying Buddhism and Catholicism and Christianity. And ultimately for me, I was able to find my way to a spiritual understanding through Jesus and Christianity. And once I unlocked that and I realized that we're not just mind and body, but we're mind, body, spirit. And it's the spirit element of ourselves that is connected universally that allows us to create good and bad things in our life. Then since then, now it's been game on. I've just been learning as much wisdom as I can, 
stacking on as much as I can, developing this as much as I can, getting as to, as in tuned spiritually as humanly possible. And the rewards of that have been, you know, tremendous. So that's kind of the story in a nutshell. You're so interesting. This is really new to me. I, you know, I grew up Catholic, but like probably many people, you know, we had to study parts of the Bible in Bible class or whatever, but it wasn't ever a calling to me. I wasn't going home and reading the Bible, right? I was like, you had to do it. You had to do it, check it off and move on. When I hear you talking right now, just recently in the past year for me, I was learning about manifestation. And then I was learning, you know, like the movie, the secret and all this. And then also I start seeing these messages on social media from the Bible and the Bible is like, it, it's everything that I'm learning about now is derived from the Bible. And yes. I, I, Glenn, it's crazy. And so when you're describing connecting to source and stuff, I'm beginning to understand what you mean. But it's so bizarre that it's taking me to my late 40s to start learning all of this originates with the Bible and God and that source power that you're talking about. And that's really the, the bigger picture answer here is how can we connect back to that? It's amazing. That is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, it's crazy. They say, um, what is that quote? You know, when the student is ready, the teacher, the teacher will, will appear. Will yeah. appear, right? Right. And I think so many times in our lives, you know, we walk around with this mud over our eyes and we don't we don't realize it, right? And that mud wasn't placed there by us. We didn't put it there, but the environments that we grew up in, the people that we were around, the relationships that we had. You know, if you're not exposed, you, you don't know what you don't know. And it is very easy as human beings, it is very easy to end up in a, in a silo, right? We see this in social media like crazy, right? Whatever you like, you're going to get more of. And that's why we have such great division right now um, in humanity is because everybody that believes, you know, vaccinations are the cure for the world, they're getting information that, that, that agrees with that. And so anybody that disagrees with that, it looks like an idiot. And then every person that doesn't believe vaccinations are the cure for the world, they're getting information that aligns with that. And they think anybody that does is an idiot, right? And it's because we live in these silos and this has really shown that to be true. And so I know you're not beating yourself up, but I think that, you know, ultimately until that exposure comes and it usually comes third party, somebody's got to bring you to it, right? Somebody's got to say, hey, check this out which I think this is why so I think I think this is why it's so important you know the church will preach this but maybe they do it in the right way maybe they don't I'm not a big fan necessarily of church itself run by man I'm, I'm a very spiritual person but you know they're like hey you got to go share your story you got to share your voice you got to share your wisdom right like they they shout it from the rooftops all the time whereas I think that that needs to be a, a standard practice for all of us not just a religious practice like share your voice Share your story, share your wisdom, share your experiences, because you never know, you might just be wiping the mud off of somebody's eyes so they can start to see the greatness that exists inside of them, right? And you can now start to help them get to that next level. So I love that you're on this journey now, though, because you got so much to learn, girl. It's awesome. When starting out a new business, it's a complete pain to get through the LLC part. Taylor Brands makes it 90% easier. It's easy and affordable to get your LLC with Taylor Brands. Taylor Brands offers all the legal requirements for LLCs, such as registered agent, annual compliance, 
EIN, operating agreement, business license and permits, and much more. Taylor Brands walks you through each step of building a successful business and has everything you need all in one place. Bookkeeping, invoicing, business licenses and permits, business documents, bank accounts, and so much more. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using this link, taylorbrands.com slash confidence. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash confidence. So get started today with Taylor Brands. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized I can do this. I can go to work for myself. Thanks to Shopify. What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash monahan all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, cbdistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit cbdistillery.com. Dot com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota.
it's so interesting. You make so many good points, you know, in regards to how divisive our world is and how people think only their way of thinking is the right way. And, and we're supported in that and instead come from a place of curiosity. Well, when you just brought up this idea of everyone should be sharing their story, agree with you a hundred percent. However, what I typically hear from people and what I've experienced is when shame is an issue, right? You feel bad about where you've come from, bad about experiences, bad about life choices, or just fear, general fear of what are people going to think about me, insecurity, right? All of these things are the reasons why people don't move forward. How were you having such a challenging situation that you overcame? How did you overcome that fear, that shame, and that insecurity to own your voice? I think that for everyone, the situation's different, right? And the experience is different. And there's ways to share your story, share your voice, share all of those things without necessarily directly reflecting on you if you don't want it to, right? There's authors that write under different names. There's artists that perform under different names. Like these are, uh, we see it over and over again. When you study success as much as I have, you'll see, you know, quite often that a lot of people bury who they were and stand out with who they are and they share that voice. And that might be the path for someone that really doesn't want they want to help, but they don't necessarily want to be in the limelight. Not everybody's a, a spotlight person like like me and you. Not everybody wants to uh, go and get the eyebrows done and the makeup and go stand <laughs> on the stage, right? And so I think everyone just really has to fall into the position that ultimately works for them. But for me, what I found is as my story came out, I got feedback loops that it was helping people. And I inertly, like it, it's just in my nature, I want to serve and I want to help people. I'm very empathic, right? I, I absorb people's emotions and energy. So I want people to smile and I want to bring them joy. And so for me, as I started to creep into just sharing pieces of my story that I was comfortable with, I started getting feedback from people saying, oh, that was, that was inspiring for me or me too, right? Me too is the greatest two words you can ever hear on the good side. Matthew McConaughey talks about it in his book, Green Lights, how he walked around with a monk for four hours and poured out all of his, everything on his heart. And the monk never said a word, right? And then when they got back to the, to the place after walking for four hours, the monk just leaned in and said, me too. And just knowing that other people are going through things can be really comforting, right? So for me, it was a little bit of the story, a little bit of the story, a little bit of the story. Then I started hearing the me too, me too, me too, me too. This is helping, this is inspiring. And that led me to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I gotta tell you, Heather, once you get it all out there, like it's so freeing, man. Like it's just so freeing. And people can choose to like me, not like me, whatever. Last time I checked, I don't even know if they know anymore because it's grown so fast. There's like 14 billion people out there. And so unless you piss off 13,999,999 people, you're never going to walk around this earth alone. That's the way I look at it. I think Putin's the only one that's able to do that. So we're probably <laughs> in a good situation. Um, so, you know, here, here's the thing, and, and I appreciate you sharing the personal development side of it, but I, I'm also super interested in business. And I'm also very open to understanding all this does come in and affect business ultimately, which I'm just learning now, as I mentioned to you, how did this way of thinking affect you coming from literally ground zero, nothing to making it huge in automotive? How did that 
way of thinking impact business for you? Yeah. So I went into a small dealership. So my now wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, but she got pregnant with my second child, her and I's first child, but my second child. And when she got pregnant at the time, I was running a free poker league here in Kentucky, right? So I was in bars and restaurants till like four in the morning, every single night, all over the place and having a blast and making good money and, and doing all of those things. But it wasn't a healthy lifestyle whatsoever. And met my wife, she got pregnant. And ultimately, she told me I had to go get a, a real job. Like I had to be a big boy. I couldn't be out till four in the morning playing poker games. And so I decided that we would move to uh, close to her parents so her mom could help with the, with the baby. And I would go back into the auto industry. Now, I had done a season in the auto industry before. And that season for me was one where I moved up. I went from through multiple promotions, um, but my company never grew around me. I was the only thing you know that, that, that really grew, but the company's numbers never really went anywhere. And it was a very toxic environment. But it was really all I knew was sales, what, selling cars. It's all I had done. You know, I dropped out of college to go, to go do that. And so I knew I was going to get back in the industry, but I couldn't let the industry destroy me. Instead, with my newfound wisdom and knowledge, I knew that I could be the catalyst of change for, the, for a dealership, that I could make an impact on the industry versus the industry making an impact on me. And so the mindset that I went in with, I went to a small store in a tiny town on population 9,600 people. And I got to tell you, Heather, here comes this brown guy in a suit out here in the backwoods in the country. And they're all wearing like car hearts and flannels and, you know, smoking cigarettes in the showroom and doing all of these things. And I went in and I just had this mindset that, hey, I've got to get into a position of power and influence if I can get into a position of power and influence, I can start to really create change. And not for me, but for all of these people that are in this building, I can make an impact in their life, right? I want to help. I want to serve those types of things. And so I took all of the wisdom and knowledge that I'd been learning and started to apply it really with a people focus. So instead of most people build their businesses, they say, okay, I need money. I want profits, right? So I'm going to go make money then at some point they say, well, I could make more money if I had more customers, right? So they go, they start going for more customers. Then at some point they go, oh, I could get more customers if I had more people, right? So it's normally money first, customers second, people third. That's normally the model for when we, when we start our own businesses. So I went in and said, I'm going to flip that upside down. Let's go people first. And if we develop our people, that's going to draw more customers. And the more customers will draw more money. Let's put money as the last priority instead of the first priority. And that was the shift we made. And nobody had really seen that in the auto industry. The auto industry was known for being profit first, customers always right, treat your employees like crap. So we treated the employees like gold. They treated our customers like gold and it brought in the gold. And that's what ultimately allowed us to completely expand, grow 800%, become the second largest used car franchise dealership in the United States of America in a tiny little town with 9,600 people. It was all through developing our people. The same methodologies or leadership tactics and strategies you used back then, is that the same type of 
attitude and mentality you led with to let's talk about breakfast with champions. I mean, you launched and literally overnight that club became the number one largest club on clubhouse. So for anyone who hasn't been on clubhouse, it's an audio only um, platform that exploded during the pandemic and Glenn had the biggest club on there. That was fun. It was crazy. I wasn't expecting all of that, but really it is, it's the same principles, right? It's so funny. Like uh, there's a book called um, The Greatest Salesman in the World by O.G. Mandino. And in one of the scrolls, it talks about how the principles never change, right? Strategies change, how we apply things change, but the principles never change. And so it really is very similar principles. There's an acronym that I remind myself of every single day. A great leader, right? A great leader takes the lead, L-E-A-D-D. And for me, that acronym, L, and I'd spell it L-E-A-D-D, two Ds. There's a reason for that because the L in lead stands for listen. We have two ears and one mouth. Your mama told you this. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak. And I believe that's true of all great leaders. If you look in like African tribes, villages, so on and so forth, the chiefs of those villages, whenever they have a town hall or, or anything like that, they will always listen to what the what what everybody has to say before they'll ever say a word always speak last they listen first because you can get so much information when we listen to people it gives us direction on how to guide them right and so a great leader listens and then encourages the e in lead stands for encourage now when your intention is to encourage after listening it changes the way you listen see a lot of times we listen to defend we listen to tell people where they're wrong or we listen to correct. But when we listen to encourage, it forces us to find the good in that human. What is the good? Even if what they're saying is like kind of crazy, we're like, okay, I got to find something to encourage here, right? Like, hey, Heather, I really appreciate the fact that you came in here and told me that. Even though what you just told me makes absolutely no sense. No, you don't say that part, right? But you're like, you find something to encourage about that person. Their shoes, their shirt, I don't know. Just make sure it's authentic and real. Don't lie about it, right? But a great leader will listen first with the intent to encourage. And as a leader, we want to encourage the behaviors we want to see more of. So those are mainly the things that I'm looking for, right? I want to see more people coming into my office and sharing their thoughts. I want to see people standing up with creative ideas, even if those creative ideas are a little bit crazy. But I want to see more of that. So we listen and then we encourage. After we've listened and we encourage, then we go to the A and lead, which stands for advise. Now, most managers start at advise. They walk into the room, they tell you what to do, right? And they tell you what you did wrong. That's what most managers do. A great leader will listen first, encourage, and then advise areas of growth, development, and opportunity. The D in lead stands for develop. Don't just tell me what to do. Show me how to do it and go with me. Be willing to walk through this with me, right? And then the last D in lead stands for daily. So listen, encourage, advise, and develop and do it daily. When you're having a conversation with your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, listen, encourage, advise, and develop. Do that daily. When you're talking to your kids, listen, encourage, advise, and develop. When it comes to a coworker, listen, encourage, advise, develop. If you're trying to close a deal, 
listen, encourage, advise, and develop. And when you're putting something together on a brand new platform, that's going to require a lot of people in order to make it happen, right? We do 50 hours of programming every single week. We have 80 different moderators that all moderate segments. The way that we were able to pull that together is I went room to room to room to room to room, listening, encouraging, advising, sharing my wisdom, and then developing. And by doing that, we were able to create amazing relationships. People wanted to come. People flocked into our rooms, right? Flocked into our rooms. And we were able to build this club, build this community that here, fast forward now, 15 months later, and we've had, you know, 4 million people that have come through our rooms and we've connected with, you know, people we never thought in a million years that we'd connected to. But it all came to that one simple principle. Just take the lead, listen, encourage, advise, and develop, and do it daily. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we had dinner, you had had some meetings beforehand before you came to meet with me, and you were talking about how the dynamics upon walking into one meeting versus another is very different depending on who's in the meetings and how that can affect a meeting. And you called it tone scale, which is something I had never heard of before, which definitely means some of the people listening right now have not heard about this. So please share your wisdom around this and how we can leverage this information to get better. Yeah. So the tone scale is something that I learned back when I was studying the art of communication, right? So effective communication requires multiple components. So in order to communicate effectively, I have to have intention, right? I intend for you to hear me. I have to have your attention, right? This is where my wife gets it twisted all the time. Me and my wife argue about this because she has the intention to be heard, but she'll talk when she doesn't have my attention and the communication (laughs) doesn't work. She's like, you're deaf. I'm like, no, I'm not deaf. You just didn't have my attention. I'm watching TV. I'm watching a football game or I'm playing with a kid, right? So we have to have both. We have to have intention and attention in order to communicate effectively. Now, we also have to keep in mind something like space right? There's got to be, we have to be close enough to where you can hear me, right? Space and volume, close enough to where you can hear me, but not too close. If I'm all in your face, then you're all distracted. We can't communicate. If I'm too far away, we can't communicate because you can't hear me, see my body language, so on and so forth, right? So these are all different pieces of communication that I learned a long time ago. And one of the most valuable attributes that encompasses all of that is the tone scale. So the tone scale allows you to get an understanding of where the other person is. And then depending on where you're trying to take that conversation, you always want to be within two points on the tone scale of this person that you're talking to. So I'll give you an example. If somebody's really down in the dumps, they're depressed, they're grieving, there's a loss, something like that. They're really low on the tone scale, right? Like really low on the tone scale, maybe a one or a zero even. If you come to that person, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, up here at a nine, full of energy, like, everything's going to be all right, girl. They're in a better place now. Like, all that stuff. You, They're going to be like, get the heck out of here. You're, you're too far removed on the tone scale. They can't connect with you. They won't listen to you. They will shut you out 100%. You're too far away. 
Now, on, on the other hand, we want to bring them up, right? We want to cheer them up. And so what we have to do is if they're at a zero, we've got to be at a two. We got to be within two. So we're up the scale a little bit. We're a little more upbeat. We're not going to go wallow in the pits with them. That doesn't do them any good. We don't want to be at a zero, but we want to, we, but we don't want to be at a nine. So we got to be at like a two where we're a little brighter, maybe a little bit more positive aspect, but at the same time, we're compassionate, we're understanding, right? And we can sit down and maybe put our arm around our friend and we can listen, encourage, right? Advise and develop. We can do that. And we can really take the time versus being all just crazy, suck it up, get over it. What do my friends say? Suck it up, buttercup, right? That this, this stuff doesn't necessarily work. Now, let's go to the other side of that. When I was in the car business, I used to get some of our customers were really angry, right? They buy a car, something goes wrong. You know, a lot of things can happen in an automobile for sure. And so they come in super angry, like hot, like ready to fight, right? They're at a nine tone scale, fully agitated, fully activated. Now, if I come at that person at a nine, we're going to fight. Simple as that, right? We're going to scream at each other. They're screaming. I'm screaming. Everybody's at a nine. We're not going to be able to communicate. It doesn't work. Also, if I come to them at a two where I'm like, oh, Heather. Yeah, I completely understand, Heather. Yeah, Heather, we'll, we'll take care of it or, or whatever. If I come to you at a two, we're not going to be able to communicate either because you're like, why aren't you taking this seriously? Like my family almost died out there, right? So they get more mad too. So what you have to do is you have to come in at a seven because I do want to bring them down from a nine. I don't want them to stay at the nine. I want to bring them down from a nine, but I'm not going to bring them down by being passive, by being any of those things. So instead we have to come in stern, right? We have to come in at a seven. We have to say, hey, look, Heather, I completely understand why you're agitated about this. If I were you, I'd be agitated about this too. Totally 100% get where you're at. But here's the thing. As long as you're waving your arms and screaming around, we're not getting anywhere. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to need you and I to agree that we're going to bring this down just a little bit. And we're going to have a conversation where we're going to get you the results that you ultimately deserve. Right? And when you come at somebody like that, you can communicate with them. Then go, okay, this person understands the urgency of what I'm saying. And they're doing this in a way that they can now bring me down. So tone scale and making sure you're within two of that person, whether you're trying to bring them up or to bring them down is one of the things that I learned that is, I mean, dramatically impacted my ability to communicate with people at all levels uh, across that entire spectrum. And so, yeah, you guys can look it up, look up tone scales. You can see all the differences where people are at, but it's really important that you understand the frequency that the other person is vibrating at, right? We are all vibrating at a, at a frequency. If you look at it from an atomic level, everything's in motion at all times. And those vibrations shift. Sometimes it's more frequent. Sometimes it's less frequent. It's all attached to our emotion, right? It's all attached to what's going on in, in our surroundings. And so having an understanding that we have to get roughly on that same frequency in order to be able to communicate is a huge deal. I'll give you an example radio station, if you're listening to a radio, and I know some of your young people probably don't even know what a radio is, but if you're listening to a radio, you have to tune in to the exact frequency in order to get a clear signal. Now, if you're real close, if you're like within one, you might get a fuzzy signal, right? If you're two or three away, you're not going to hear it, period. Like it's, you're going to a completely another station or channel. And that's how it is with human beings is 
we have to dial in that frequency and at least get really close, if not spot on, to the same level that uh, other people are vibrating at in order for them to hear us and for us to be able to hear them. Is this similar to the law of attraction? Because that somewhat seems in regards to vibrating at a certain level if you want to attract that opportunity or, or whatever it is that you need to get on that level. Yeah, 100%. Like you have to position yourself energetically with the things that you want in life, right? We can't have, if we have a block, it's again, it's the mud, right? You can't, you can't see, we can only see and connect with, I want to make sure I word this the exact right way. So Grant Cardone said this on one of my podcast ones. He said, I put him up on top of a mountaintop and I said, what would you tell the, the whole world? If, if all of humanity was listening to you, what would you say? And Grant said, what you see in me exists in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see it. And it's just so true, right? Once we get to the frequency of our dreams, the things that we want to achieve, all of a sudden we start to see those opportunities that we never knew existed before. Before I was homeless in that whole season, I was at a certain frequency. And in my belief system, my world, I drew in shady characters like myself, dark situations all of the time. I believed that everybody did drugs. I believed that everybody drank. I couldn't even imagine anybody that said they didn't do those things. They were a liar. Like they would just was impossible for me to imagine a life free of those things, right? And it wasn't until I started to dial up that frequency and get into some different circles and be exposed to some new ways of living that I was then able to climb into those spaces, right? But you, you can't climb into them if you don't know where they are. And that's all about getting in tune. You've got to get in tune with your goals, your dreams, the visions, or you won't, you just won't be able to see the opportunities that'll get you there. And your mission, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about serving, I, I just know for sure for me being in corporate America for a long time, my objective was to make rich people richer, make the shareholders wealthier. And I always was missing that mission piece from my life. I didn't know it at the time, right? You only know what you know. But, you know, lo and behold, I get fired. I start my own business where a big part of what I do is empowering and helping other people. And then when I start getting the notes and the messages and I start feeling so positive, I truly believe that has me vibrating at a, a different level now where now doors open so much easier and the right doors open and opportunities are coming in left and right. So I couldn't agree more with you. To the point about the tone scale, this is what popped into my mind. This makes total sense to me. And I definitely want to deploy this in my day to day. However, how do you deploy that strategy when you're speaking to a group or you're speaking to a conference room or you're speaking at an, an arena at an event? You're going to love this, Heather. So we don't know exactly where everybody's at in the room, right? We'll never necessarily know that. However, sometimes I'm sure you've experienced where you can feel the energy in the room, right? So ultimately, it's a collective consciousness. It's this whole process. When people get, get, get together in a room, they all have the intention of being there. We have the attention. And it's just like, <laughs> right, my, I'll just say it. It's just like when my, 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 
<laughs> when women start to cycle together, right? Like you, it's, when you spend a lot of time and the intention is the same, those, those things type of, type of habit. Sorry, that was a little embarrassing, but that's just where my No, my, No, but my it, it is a fair point. When women hang around together, groups of women hang around together very, very often, they do start cycling. Their menstrual cycle aligns it, and it just happens out of nowhere. Like it's the weirdest thing, but you're right. right that, that is a good example. Yeah. So that's, and that's all that, that energetic connection of a collective consciousness, right? That's happening. So what I do when I speak, and I suggest this for you is I understand there are four major personality types, right? There's four major personality types. You've got uh, your urchins, which are your very analytical people. They're uh, introverted usually. Then you have your dolphins, which a dolphin is me. I am a dolphin. You, they love the spotlight. They they love all that. They're not necessarily the most organized, but they light up any room that they walk into. Then you have your sharks, which sharks are just out for blood. They don't care who gets in the way. They're just freaking getting after it, right? Grant's a shark. Then you have your whales, and the whales are like your save the world type people. So Oprah would be a whale. Grant Cardone would be a shark. Richard Branson would be a dolphin. And Warren Buffett would be an urchin, right? To give you an idea of the different personality types. So here's what I do. I use a combination of understanding the four different personality types because I have to speak to all of them. Like if I go all sharky sharky the whole time, if I'm all just like blood, you know, punch through 75% of the audience, I'm going to lose them. If I go all urchin data, analytics, spreadsheets, and Excel, I'm going to lose 75% of the audience. I'll have the urchins, but I'm going to lose the other 75%, right? So knowing those four personality types, what I do is I actually pick four people in the audience. One of them becomes my urchin. One of them becomes my dolphin. One of them becomes my whale. One of them becomes my shark. And I just, I just label them right when I get out there on stage, right? And I'll position myself to where when I'm looking at the urchin, like if I know I've got data coming, stats, facts, whatever, I'll send those directly to the urchin, right? When I'm looking over at my dolphin, I'll go up tone, more energy. I'll bring the volume up. My mannerisms are a little bit more, right? And I'll go into that while I'm delivering that portion of the talk. When I'm looking over at my shark, it's stern, fight, let's go, aggressive. I can, I will, I must, I can, I will, I must, right? For that person. And then when I'm looking over at the whale, I soften, I bring back my, bring my tone back down and we love and we hug and we save the trees, right? So that causes my talk to go through all these different levels on the tone scale because I'm looking at personalities changing my volume, my tone, my intention with each one causes me to go up and down the tone scale, which allows me to hit everybody in the room in a different way. So that's wow. the strategy I use. It's been really impactful for me. I've never thought about that, but I'll tell you, it's so funny. I did a virtual talk, which is even harder because you can't feel the energy, yes. right? And I was doing a virtual talk for a very analytical group. And I'll tell you, it was one of my least powerful talks. I even felt it. And it was so funny. I got on with the woman who had hired me after. And I said, gosh, how did that go? I didn't get the sense it was amazing. She said, no, it was great. They're just a very low-key, dial-down kind of a group. And that's typically not the audience I'm speaking to. And now, to your point, I could have just pulled in a lot of data. I could have, on the tone scale, come down. You know, I just didn't intentionally think about that ahead of time. But this is, it's very, very empowering to have this knowledge. So thank you, Glenn. This went by so fast. How does everybody find you? How do they get a hold of you? And how do they get more Glenn Lundy? I would love to connect with everybody. If you search Glenn Lundy, apparently I'm the only Glenn Lundy that I know that cares about 
anything media wise. And there's other Glenn Lundy's out there, but they must be in different businesses because I never see them online. So if you search my name there, you can find me. But one of the things I'm a big advocate of is morning routines, right? If you change the way you start your day, it makes a massive impact in your life. And I wrote an ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. And you can go download that for free at themorning5.com. That's the number five, the morning number five dot com. You can download my free ebook and that'll let you learn more about me. And then it'll also connect me with you and uh, we can build our relationship that way. All right. Well, I will link that in the show notes below guys. That's a free morning kit for you. Check it out. You don't want to miss what Glenn is teaching. You helped us so much today, Glenn. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. I can't believe we're done already. I know it's crazy. It goes by too fast. All right, guys, until next week, keep creating your confidence. You know, I will be. Once in a while, you could miss it. I'm on this journey with me. Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about. Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential. Don't believe me? I'm going to go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too. You have helped me so much these last few weeks. I was with a narcissist for two years. She drove me to the point I wanted to take my own life. Listening to you has made a massive difference and now I know what I'm with. Thank you, Rebecca. Now the recovery. Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.